0: Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is Wednesday, September 23rd, and the title of tonight's message is Faith in Friends. Faith in Friends. We're just going to get after it tonight. Y'all right with that? See, I'm excited about it because I'm just ready to share what God has been doing in my heart. I'm trusting that what he's been doing in my heart is actually going to be a blessing to you. See, I'm a man who values friends. Somebody say friends. friends. I mean Think about the last three letters of the word friend. I mean like a friend to the end kind of friend. Not those kind that just uh, are fair weather friends, but the kind that will make it all the way to the end. See, church, I'm a man who values uh, intimacy. It's a true statement. When you hear intimacy for tonight, you should think of the phrase, into me, See into me that you now see, intimacy. Church, I'm a a man who values compassion. I mean, I'm talking about have my compass set on what God is pointing at. See, we're going to talk about these three topics tonight. Friendship, intimacy, and having the compass of our compassion pointed in the right way. These are all interlocked. They're inextricably linked. They are connected in ways that are going to bless you because it's been blessing me over the past few days as I've been studying personally. And I can't wait to share it with you tonight. Are you guys ready for that? Let's all turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to look at verse 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 7. Since y'all are part of my family, since you're my friends here in this place tonight, I got to tell you that for as long as I've known this church, Long before I was here, one of my favorite things about this church was Monday nights and foundations. One of the most incredible things, even when we would uh, be living in a different state, sometimes we would drive and we would just try to get here on a Monday night because it was that special. I got to tell you something. Now being here almost six and a half years, I still feel the exact same way. It is one of my favorite things that this entire church does. I love what Judah and what Justin are doing on Monday nights. I love it when Pastor Eric is here. I look forward to it, I think, more than anybody in this room. Well, Natalie Aragina said no, so then I was just corrected, and I will say yes, ma'am. So, because I love Baj, and I don't want him to reprimand me. So, even though it would be an oil upon my head. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 7 says this. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? See, that moved me on Monday night when these men began to speak about Abraham as a friend of God. See, according to Jehoshaphat, who's speaking here, why did God drive out the inhabitants of the land and give the land to Abraham's descendants forever? Why did he do that? Because Abraham was a friend of God. Because of friendship with God. I mean, the kind of relationship that lasts to the end. Somebody say, friends to the end. end. Man, that is such a rare thing. I mean, you may think you know what a friend to the end is. But that is a special thing when you actually can find a friend that goes to the end. When we moved here from Louisiana, we moved here uh, six and a half years ago. I can tell you, actually, when we moved from Louisiana to Texas is the way I should say it, I thought I had some friends. I mean, I had plenty of uh, Facebook notifications of my friends. I was happy to see that number climb up. I was kind of excited. Until I actually moved away from Louisiana to Texas. Can I tell you that all of those numbers on Facebook are not your friends? That's a misnomer. Those aren't friends to the end. Because uh, the minute that we left... I can tell you that there is one handful worth of people that actually called me at all in the last decade since I left Louisiana. I realized that if I wasn't the one reaching out to them, if I wasn't the one putting the emotional energy to reach out to them, we didn't have a friendship. We're talking about friends to the end tonight. This is what Abraham was with God. To the end of Abraham's life, he was a friend with the limitless, the boundless, the all-powerful, the never-ending God. That's the kind of friend that we want to be in this place tonight. Amen. See, nothing in Abraham's life was hidden from God. I mean, let's, let's explain what friendship really looks like. We've got to have an intimacy. See, nothing in Abraham's life was hidden. Not Hagar. Not, not insecurities about Sarah. Not even his uh, <clears throat> virility. He hid none of that from the God because he was an actual friend and he was walking in intimacy. And into me, he could see. See, nothing that was going on, nothing that was going to go on in Sodom and Gomorrah did God keep from Abraham. The scripture actually says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? The scripture shows God asking the question. Abraham is my friend. Because he's my friend, am I going to keep anything from him? And the answer is, of course not. Of course he was going to let him know everything that was going on. Because uh, Abraham had an into me see kind of intimacy with God. By the way, who's the better friend? Was God a better friend to Abraham or was Abraham a better friend to God? Yeah, for surely it was God. See, that's why Abraham could point his compass of compassion towards God's direction at all times in his life. At all moments, he was pointed towards what God wanted him to do. Even if he was about to fail, even if he messed up, what he did was he was always trying to please his friend. He was trying to please the one that he had learned intimacy from and was intimate with. He was walking in a way that was completely pointed towards God's direction. Abraham's compass of compassion towards Lot to rescue him from foreign kings was exactly what God had in mind. Abraham's compass of compassion to pray for Abimelech. You know Abimelech, the guy who almost slept with his wife. Abraham prayed for him, and God brought restoration to Abimelech's household. You've got to have your compass set on God's compassion right there. Abraham. His compass of compassion to not send away Ishmael harshly. It was troubling him. See, all of this was a result of Abraham having his compass set on his friend, on who God was in his life. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 8. Isaiah 41, 8. Say friend when you get there. Isaiah 41 8 says this, but you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, <clears throat> there it is again, my friend. Now, before you get all caught up theologically here, let's just, let's just sit in this for just a second. How would you like to have your name associated with being a friend of God? Not only in the law, but here in the prophets, you see, we're going to call Abraham God's friend. That's what he's identified as. We think about him as many things, as a great man, it's true. As the father of the faithful, absolutely. What the word of God over and over classifies him as is a friend of God. Notice the prophet refers to this friendship as the basis of everything that's going on even in the nation of Israel. Church, this is why Isaiah 51 calls Abraham the rock quarry that every one of us must be cut from. This kind of friend of God is what we are supposed to become. Consider that rock quarry. Look to what it was, and because you need to be hewn and cut from the exact same material. This is not just him a long time ago. This is supposed to be what we're looking at. You must be a friend of God like Abraham. You must be intimate with God like Abraham was. You have to have your compass of compassion set on God just like Abraham did. Well, it takes it out of, uh, it's one thing to celebrate Abraham being a friend of God, isn't it? How does that feel when you have to understand that you must be a friend of God? That you get to be a friend of God. It is an incredible honor. Turn with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 23. Let's keep going under this theme here and understand what the scripture is saying. James two twenty-three. It says this, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. There it was, there it is again in the New Testament. And he was called God's friend. Throughout the entirety of the canon of scripture, you're seeing a common theme here. See, Abraham's friendship with God produced actions that displayed faith that proved his friendship. I'm going to let that sit in just for a second. Abraham had actions based in faith that proved that he was an actual friend of God. You ever ever had somebody who called you a friend that really wasn't? You you ever had someone that wanted to act like a friend until it actually mattered and then they were nowhere to be found? The problem is, is, uh, if I were going to be really honest with you, if I were really going to ask you a piercing question, have you been that friend many times? What we have to see here is that Abraham's friendship with God produced actions that verified this friendship. Abraham's intimacy with God allowed the righteousness of God to be credited to his life. And even better than that, it allowed us to see into that. An intimacy with God that not only allowed God to see into him, but we see into him. What kind of, the Bible is such a beautiful and, and unique work in the entirety of the world where you see the weaknesses of the great men. You see a weakness of Abraham because he was intimate with the Father and it was recorded so that we can look into his life. We could see what it's like to develop a true friendship with God. Abraham's compass of compassion allowed for the culmination of his life to achieve everything that God intended. What a lofty goal for us to shoot for. What a righteous goal for us to shoot for that we will accomplish. Is there anybody in this house that wants to accomplish everything that god has for you yeah let's turn to exodus chapter 33 and see how this continues exodus 33 i gotta be honest with you it's been a while since i've preached by myself do you realize that over 90 percent of what we teach at this church is team taught in some combination Oh Well, well over 90%. Boy, that's, that's saying something about the friendships that God is developing here in this place, isn't it? Exodus 33. See, Abraham wasn't the only one. He wasn't alone in this pursuit. Exodus 33 and verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses. Somebody say Moses. Moses. Face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I don't know if you recall back in Exodus chapter 3, but Moses was standing before a burning bush that, that was on fire but not being consumed. And God began to speak to him, and he began to explain his weaknesses to this God that was speaking to him from a burning bush. See, but Moses didn't just stay there. He continued to develop his friendship until by the time Exodus 33 is rolling around, we hear that God is speaking with him face to face that God and Moses are friends, like a friend to the end kind of friend. You want to talk about intimacy, what is it like to speak with God face to face? Wow, what a beautiful friendship and intimacy that's been developed. Moses had his compassion, his compass of compassion so geared towards God that Moses was able to declare to the heavens and to the earth, In Deuteronomy 32, of God's greatness, of his power, of his ability to demolish foreign armies and raise up a righteous standard. Come on, that is a beautiful, beautiful principle, but it gets even better. Somebody say it gets better. Turn to John 15. Just laying a little groundwork for you because you're my friends. John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 14. It's one thing for a great man like Abraham, one of the finest men who've ever walked the planet to be a friend of God. It's another thing for Moses, one of the finest leaders that has ever been to be considered a friend of God and God would speak with him face to face. But it's something else entirely what the word of the Lord teaches us in John 15 and verse 14. It says this, Jesus is speaking. That getting better than that. Jesus is speaking. It's the final night. He's, he's just had the Last Supper. This is about the time right before he ends up making his journey towards the cross. Can any parents appreciate the last few minutes right before you leave to go somewhere? The instruction that should take place? This is Jesus instructing those that he loves. And look at what he says You are my friends. If you do what I command. Okay. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made it known to you. Notice how Jesus is demonstrating friendship here. He's showing what true friendship is about. Maybe you don't really even understand what a good friend looks like. Maybe you've had so many poor examples that you're really not sure. You think you know what I'm talking about. But Jesus is demonstrating it in unequivocal fashion here. He is sharing everything with his disciples. He is sharing everything with them. See, he's calling them friends. And then he's making everything about himself, about the kingdom, known to them. Somebody say intimacy. He's letting them see everything. And then he's given them the standard to set their compass of compassion by. Let's talk about what real friendship is for just a minute. Let's talk about what it really looks like. See, if you measured your friendship... By how intimate, how transparent you were with them. How many friends do you really have? See, this passage of Scripture is immediately following Jesus declaring that He is the vine and they are the branches. That the connectivity that they are supposed to have, that is from the idea, from the place of friendship in their life. How is your friendship like with the Lord right now? That, that desire to be completely intimate, to let them see everything. Into me, see, Lord. See me as I am, Lord, with no hindrances, with no barriers, with nothing, with no phrases, with no, with no guards, with nothing before me. Just see me exactly as I am. Well, the Lord sees you as you are. Of course, He does. I'm talking about from your end and your willingness to allow that, to want that, to desire that in your life. Jesus is setting this. See, I think that we get so used to have a calling something friendship that looks nothing like intimacy, that looks nothing like having your compass of compassion set by it. Let, Let me just give you a little secret. If we're going to be friends then the things that I love, you're going to have to be okay with. And those that I call friends, you're going to need to call friends as well, or we won't be friends. If you say you're my friend and you don't like my wife, I promise you our friendship is done. You're laughing, but I'm being serious with you. If you don't like the fact that Matt and I are ministry partners here, that Eric and I are ministry partners here, If you don't like the fact that Baj is one of the dearest people that I know in my life, then you and I are not going to have anything to do with each other. Get a lot of nods, get a lot of yeses. But see, we've been having to work through a lot of this with family members, with those who are disgruntled here. I promise you're not going to get to hate my wife and have us be called each other friends. Let's not even pretend like that's going to happen. You think Jesus is going to do any different? You think Jesus is going to let someone speak about his bride the way that other people speak about this place and him be okay with it? That's not a friend. There's no intimacy there. They have long since lost their compass of compassion. See, Jesus' purpose was not to create servants. I no longer call you servants. That's not what he's going after. He is not trying to get people who are serving him out of obligation, out of duty, out of responsibility. He's trying to create friends. Can I tell y'all a little, a personal, an actual personal issue that I have? I'm good at doing things because of obligation. I'm really, really, really good at doing things because it's my duty to do so. I am responsibility driven and have been since the time I was Beniah or Titus' age. That's not what he's going for. He wants me to serve him because I'm his friend. Because I love him. Because I'm motivated. Because I want to be close to him. Because what he likes is rubbing off on me and it's now what I like. What he doesn't like, I no longer like because of intimacy with God I know that this is a right word for us today We have the most stellar on fire people that I've seen and you know what we need more of we need more of development in our friendship with God Fine you have a duty fantastic that makes you sound more like a servant than a friend Who do you like to be around? Why don't you just want to be around them? Why do you want to be around them? Because you love them. You like their personality. You like similar things. You want to get to know them better. It's not a chore for you to go be with them. You're actually trying to get rid of other responsibilities so that you can go be with them. This is what God is calling us to. This is a foundational fundamental shift that what we're doing is that we're serving God because we love Him. Even when we make a mistake, if it's because you love Him, He's still going to call you friend and He can help you to work it out. He wants to be your friend. But you are His friend in verse 14 if you do what He commands you. He has made so much known to us, church. For everything I've learned from my Father, I've made it known to you. I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of the last 24 days in the church. How's that? 24 days. You ready? Making everything that He's learned known to us. That we should have Jehu-like momentum in our lives. That like Abijah, we can lead men to be victorious because they trust in the Lord. That like Mahanaim, we cannot have two camps. We must have one camp, one purpose, one direction from the Lord. There's not two ways to go about it. That God has given us a golden growl, a divinely destined allotment that we must fight for. That Asa had 35 years of a great life. Victorious. Revival conquering kind of life and the last six years of his reign were an eternal embarrassment we learned that we need to tell you we need to work it all the way to the end that there's a green light for us to have that we will have a supernatural response to all the foxes that are around us we had unanswered questions that became answered questions that god's inheritance matters more than ours but he's concerned about ours because we are his inheritance and we have to go out and become and fight for the spoils that he has already assigned to us. That like Jehoshaphat, we must become oaks of righteousness, not reeds swayed by every wind of change. We have to have a travailing pursuit. You have to remember and hope and be faithful in your actions. That we have to have one heart and one way. Where we have Ihad in our heart and in our direction. That's the last 24 days in this church. We don't get much good stuff around here. That's not including what you found in your own personal study. That's not including nuggets that you're finding from the Lord. That's not including words of prophecy that came to you. Everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. We are standing in a place where this is reality. It's not hypothetical. It's not a hope that we have. It is actual reality to us. This should help us to set the compass of our compassion on God's divinely destined will in our lives. Let's continue. Let's get deeper into the life of Jesus to see what being a friend to the end, allowing him to see deeply into our lives that we can set our compass of compassion as he did. Let's all turn to Matthew chapter 9. I want to encourage you that the list that I just rapid fired to you. If any one of those you are not familiar with. Look at what God is giving you. Look at what God is making known to you. Look at what he is presenting to you in a beautiful fashion. Let's look at Matthew 9 and verse 36. It says this. When he saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I have a slide for you that I want you to take a look at. The word for compassion here is splotch disome. That's right, by the way. Check, check it out on your blue letter Bible. Strong's number, 4697. Splotch The word for compassion here, the actual definition is your bowels. Ooh. <laughs> it's designed to remind you of where this is taking place. It's somewhere down deep inside of you. It's to feel deeply or viscerally to have compassion, to yearn, to have pity. Look at the last phrase that's highlighted on the screen for you. It indicates an inner feeling and is frequently recorded of Christ's attitude towards multitudes and individuals. Frequently, Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. He was moved deeply for the people that he was seeing. And this is what's taking place here in Matthew chapter 9. I've got another slide for you that shows how... Each translation of this word in the New Testament is. And you can see that it's a unified theme compassion, pity. He took pity, filled with compassion. His heart went out. Okay, this is from the NIV. Let's go back to verse 36 so that we can not lose the context here. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus is showing actual, real friendship here because he has moved deeply. He is showing compassion for those who are around him. By the way, a secondary definition of the word like sheep without a shepherd, a secondary definition for shepherd is the concept of a friend. These were sheep that didn't have any real friends. They weren't friends with God and they weren't friends with each other. They had no intimacy going on in their life. They had nothing to set the compass of their compassion towards. See, it's not just enough that you have compassion. The reason that I made compassion third on the list is because if you focus on that, you'll get everything else out of order. You have to have the compass of your compassion set that comes from an actual friendship with God that is seen in an intimate walk with Him that then you can set your compass by. You, can know what com- you don't even know what compassion is until you're actually walking with the Lord. You don't know what compassion is until you are intimate enough with the Lord to know what He likes, to know what He's thinking, to know what He's feeling. You are not allowed to set the compass of your compassion on your own. James 1 talks about that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights above. I've got to tell you something, that your friendship with God should be the exact kind of same thing that you learned in marriage teaching on love flowing down. Your friendship must flow from Him and then it sets everything else about you. Have you thought about just being a friend of God? Letting that kind of a relationship This is not your college buddy kind of thing. This is not a friend of a friend kind of thing. It's you being a friend of God. See, Jesus is setting the perfect example of friendship. Because you're going to see what he does with this compassion in just a second. Don't look ahead. Seriously, don't look ahead because I want you to be thinking through this with me. Jesus is setting the perfect example of friendship, of intimacy, and setting his compass of compassion rightly. See, he said it rightly because it was derived from a true friendship, a true intimacy with God. And what did he see? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. See, this kind of compassion allows you the full realization of someone's true state. You're not just feeling sorry for them, you actually seek and can assess their true state. They were harassed and helpless. And you even know the results. What it is a result of. This was a result of a lack of discipleship. A lack of friendship. No shepherds there. No friends to the end to help them get beyond what they can get on their own. And look at what Jesus' response was in verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. Would that have been the first thing that you would have done for harassed and helpless people? Our world, they would have started a can drive. Let's start a GoFundMe account because surely that's what they need would be more money. Jesus says they don't need any of that. What they need are men. They need friends who are workers, who've developed a friendship with God and will see them as Jesus Christ himself sees them. The harvest is plentiful, but men like that, actual friends, that's very few and far in between. Jesus' desire was to develop friends that are sent out into the plentiful harvest because they have a friendship, they've developed intimacy, they know and they have their compassion set by the compass of God's Word and it's derived from their relationship with Him and their entire work product is derived from their love of God. Can you say that the entire work product of your life is driven because of your friendship with God? I want it to be. What the Lord has been dealing with me for days on is uh, that he wants to have a closer, more intimate relationship with me. That I've got to develop my friendship with him. I am the worker that's set up to do it by duty. That's That's what I am in and of myself. I'm trying to be intimate with you right now and say that that is a real issue in my life. And I'm crying out to God, teach me how to be intimate with you, Lord. Show me how you do it because I don't know how to do it. I'm doing it as much as I know how, but I want to be more intimate with you. I want to have a closer friendship. I want everything that I do to be driven because of my love for you. See, the patriarchs, They were shepherds, but they were men who were friends with God. David was the shepherd. He was a man who was intimate with God. The prophets, many of whom were shepherds, but all of whom had their compass of compassion set by God. Let me read this to you from Jeremiah 3, verse 15. It says, Then I will give you shepherds. I will give you friends after God's own heart. Who will lead you with knowledge and understanding? I will give you men, I will give you friends who have intimacy with God and they know His heart. They know everything that He is giving them, they are receiving it, and they're gonna lead you with the compass of compassion that's established in knowledge and understanding of the heavenly realm. God's heart and His friendship is seen to the end. Can somebody say Amen? amen. Revelation chapter 7, I'm just gonna quote this to you as well, verse 17. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. The lamb at the center of the throne. This concept of developing a friendship with God is seen all the way through the end. He will lead them to springs of living water. Well, that sounds exactly like what a shepherd does for us. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. So the lamb seated on the center of the throne is going to be their friend. He's going to be their shepherd. He's going to lead them to springs of intimacy. And he's going to set the compass of compassion by wiping away every tear from their eye. Church, this is the direction. This is what God is beckoning to us. And it goes all the way through the book of Revelation. But right now, I want everybody to turn to Matthew chapter 14. I wish that I could put within you what I'm feeling about this. My weaknesses for so long, I've gotten promoted over in every job that I've ever been in. I've gotten the favor of people around me because I work hard. And I have in every job that I've ever been in. Can I tell you what a revelation it is for me to just want to do something because... It pleases Him and no other reason. It's a needed revelation. It's what I need in my life and I'm trusting that it's also what you need in yours. Matthew 14 and verse 13. When Jesus heard what happened, He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed Him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them and healed their sick. See, Jesus took some time to check with his friend, to check with his father. Can I tell you something? That when you spend time to develop your relationship with the Lord and you develop that intimacy, that others are going to be drawn to the intimacy that you have. Yeah, that that, that deserved a better amen than that. You don't need to get smarter. There may be proficiencies that you need to add, but that's not the point. Your friendship with the Lord and you becoming intimate with Him is going to draw people to you. It's going to draw people to Him because that's the way that this works. There have been friends that I became friends with because they knew someone else that I cared about. If Baj introduces someone to me and he says, This, this is someone you have to meet, can I tell you in my heart I've already decided that they're my friend? Uh, what was the name again? Yes, you're my friend. Why? Because of my friendship with Baj. See, this is what is taking place here. Jesus was living in an intimate, into me, see kind of way. Jesus was moved for them because he had spent time with the Father. I want you to catch what we're saying here. Your issue isn't that you need more compassion for people. Your issue is that you need to be a better friend of God. Going to try to lead somebody, but you don't even care about them. Going to try to work with somebody, and you have no desire to even know what's going on in them. See, you need better friendship with God. You need more intimacy with Him, and it will rightly direct your compass of compassion. The compass of compassion that Jesus displays is always the result of time with the Father. We've said it for many years here. It's easy to get into a habit of thinking and becoming more compassionate than God. And here's what we mean by that phrase. That you have not developed your friendship, that you're not being intimate with God, and you're determining what compassion is in isolation from those two factors. You keep running back to help that family member who shouldn't be helped because they hate God. You, you keep doing things because you've decided in your own compass that it's the right form of compassion. See, God can help us with all of these areas tonight. Compass of compassion is the fruit of intimacy. Let's turn to Mark chapter 9 together. See, without true intimacy, your compass isn't rightly dialed in. You're not actually finding the direction that you're supposed to. It's not aligned rightly. It's not fit rightly. It's not a filtered rightly. But this process will help us. Take a look at Mark chapter 9 and let's look at verse 22. This is a man whose boy, whose little boy has been demonically troubled. And we're picking up here in the story. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. The man is speaking with Jesus saying, but if you can do anything, take pity. Have compassion on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, if you can. Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Where we're entering this story is this man does not yet have a friendship with Jesus. Hey, I heard that you might be able to do something on my behalf. I'm not quite sure. I don't really know you. If you're willing to do something, then maybe can you help us? Could you, could you let your compass of compassion be pointed, pointed towards us? If you can. Do you hear how Jesus responds? I love that. When you're saying, if you can, Lord, it's a sign of a lack of friendship. Hmm. If you're saying, if you can, Lord, you are demonstrating a sign of lack of friendship, of a lack of intimacy with the Lord. It's okay with this man to say that because he doesn't know him yet. Come on, church. Are you with me? Is this hitting you like it did me when I'm reading through this? How many times have I been a really, really bad friend to him? Lord, if you can do this for me. I know you've done 72,000 other things in the last 24 hours, but this thing might be too much for you. So if you can help me. Who are you talking to? If you can. When you have friendship with God, when you have an intimate life with Him in an ongoing, daily kind of way, when you've set your compass of compassion by His goodness by His mercy, then everything is possible for you. Everything. Is it still on the screen? No. Do the verse before. Everything is possible for the one who believes. See, this is when your theology starts to conflict with your actual relationship and friendship with Him. Because you know Theoretically, that that's true. But how many of us today have worried that it wasn't going to be possible and you say that you believe? Anybody? How many times do we do that? The answer for it is, is right here before us. is to develop our friendship with Him. Imagine, imagine what this man must have been like after Jesus' response. Let's see how this happens. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, oh yeah, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. What kind of friendship does that initiate from this man? Praise God, the boy is now alive. If you're a father in the house, you might be able to start to understand what it's like that your son was dead, and now he's standing up. What does that make you want to do with the man who just did it? You want to be his best friend. I'll I'll, I'll help you, and I'll do anything that you ever need of me. My life is yours. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Has he done anything less for the people in this room? What has he had to resurrect in your life that could not be resurrected any other way? What kind of friendship should that engender from you towards him? Not only respect, but an actual friendship, an actual desire to never want to leave that man's side. And then Jesus continues on. Look at verse 28. After Jesus had gone indoors... (laughs) that scene is now over. They've gone inside. His disciples asked him privately, so, uh, Jesus, you know, you cast the demon out and everything's good and you picked him up and he's, so we got a question for you. I'm sure it's Peter that's asking the question. Why couldn't we drive it out? What I want to know, Lord, is why I can't do what you just did. You're training us. Luke 6.40 tells us if once we're fully trained, we're going to be like our teacher and we're being trained and we can't do what you can do. Like a true friend, Jesus speaks in a transparent and intimate way to them. Verse 29. He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Some of the manuscripts and translations say prayer and fasting. This exercise of the compass of compassion is the result of prayer and fasting this one can only come as you've developed your friendship and your intimacy with him this kind you can't just walk up on if you haven't been developing your relationship with him over time why do you think church that god has been redirecting us as a family to begin to pray through the tabernacle in a different way than ever before He's not adding a seven-step program to your life. He's trying to teach you how to be intimate with Him. Are you really drawn to Him there at the gates of praise? Do your eyes well up with tears? Does your heart overwhelm with joy when you start thinking about how good He is? Do those same tears hit you as you're then at the bronze altar? Man, I'm so far from being like you, but I want to be like you. And this process is to help me to become like you. Burn these things away, Lord. Make me like you. Change me, Lord. Then you start to see yourself rightly. Then His Spirit is leading you. His Word is directing you. And you're not just guessing. You're not just trying to set your own compass of compassion. You've dialed in the heavens and it sends angelic power to the earth to change it. And then... in you're standing before him there's a closeness that's there the things that you can only imagine before you're sensing before his presence don't tell me that God is not trying to make better friends of us in this house he's showing us how to do it he's showing us how to walk in intimacy he's showing us how to set our compass of compassion to be right on point with what He wants. He's showing us how. The point in this passage is that the only, it only happens as a result of a growing friendship, of a growing intimacy that's completely unhindered and transparent in every way. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 29. It says this. And Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting on the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. If you have not yet cried out this exact phrase to the Lord, you need to learn it. You need to get really good. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me the crowd rebuked them. Of course they did. It's inappropriate. You're being loud at the wrong time. You're being too transparent. and It's making me feel uncomfortable. So you need to stop. <laughs> but they all shouted the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? Before we go on, I wonder if they would have said, yeah, I just need a little bit more money. I'm kind of hungry. Can you give me a cheeseburger? They said, Lord, we, wanna, we want our sight. We don't see things rightly. We, we need your help. Jesus had compassion on them. And he touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. These blind men who were the lowest in society, the outcasts, the downtrodden, but those are always the kind that's preferred in the kingdom. He has mercy on these men because he is a friend of God. See, when his intimacy with the Father has been combined and worked with the compass of compassion, it was directed at their healing and they could see immediately. I wonder what they saw. I I imagine it's more than colors and shapes and men walking around like trees. I'm, I'm sure that they saw something different. What happens when you look at the man who just gave you sight? I imagine that the first thing they saw was a friend of God who was now their friend. See, church, bold transparency. Bold transparency. These were blind men who were made where they could get sight. How's your sight today? Are you seeing what we're trying to present to you today? 1 John chapter 1, let me read this to you. Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So that you also may have fellowship or friendship with us. And our fellowship, our friendship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. The Apostle John is writing here. I'm going to tell you everything that I've seen and heard. Why? Because there's a friendship that's on the line. And if we're friends, it's because that you're a friend with him. The friendship that they're encouraging is, first of all, directed at the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, in verse 3. Listen to this admonition, this encouragement, these life-filled words. We're going to tell you everything that we've seen and heard. We're going to let you know about our friendship, about our intimacy, about the compass of compassion. See, this is not a friend of a friend kind of moment. These are not the ones who are just benefiting from the scraps that's being cast aside by someone else's relationship. LCM, what we need is to have each one of us To have such a friendship with God that it produces a real friendship with each other. This is what this passage is teaching us. That not one of us are actually just riding on someone else's good friendship. That you're not waiting on someone else to call you. That you're not waiting on someone else to have a word for you. But you are such a friend with God, intimate with Him, that you can set your compass and achieve and help others achieve what God has for them. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 15. We are working towards our closing. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 29. It says this, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Jesus went up on a mountainside he sat down as a true friend of God truly intimate with the Father are you looking do you look forward to in your day just getting a few minutes just to sit down and and be with the Lord just to go okay Lord I'm going to answer any phone call that comes yes but i'm just going to get away for a few minutes because I just want to hang out with you. I just want to check and see what you want me to do. I I know I talked to you a little bit earlier today, but I can't help it. I want to call you again. I want to talk to you again. I I want to find that intimacy with you again. I need you to direct something else in my life. Here I am again, Lord. Man, I could see Jesus sitting down with that kind of attitude. Any spare moment in perfect communion, in perfect friendship with the Lord. Look what happens next. Great crowds came to him. Somebody say great crowds. Great crowds. <laughs> Here are the great crowds. The lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. This is like an LCM service. Look, pastor, look what we found on the side of the road. Here. Hey, man, let's pray for him. That would be awesome okay, I'm a friend of God. I've been intimate with the Lord. I'm ready for this. I've got my compass set rightly towards compassion. Jesus has all of the outcasts. They're like, okay, here you go. Do something with that. Look at the next phrase, and he healed them. Come on, that's awesome. That friendship with the Lord, that intimacy allowed him to rightly do this. These people who were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, They started off not having a friendship with the Savior. But Jesus has set His compassion, His compass on them so that they might be able to walk with Him. Look at verse 31. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Man, A praise and worship service breaks out. Of course it would. The lame are walking, the blind are seeing. This is incredible. See, I'm not sure of their friendship status with the Lord before, but I know that there's a revival happening right here in this chapter. There's something that is beginning to happen inside of people's hearts. Jesus called his disciples to him in verse 32 and said, I have compassion. Wait, 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 wait. You've just healed everybody. You've just done all these great things, and now you're going to have compassion? Well, what was that? I don't know, but he's saying, now, listen to me, I have compassion. There's something that's moving on the inside of me for these people. They've already been with me three days. Three days. Like a weekend conference or something. It was incredible. They've been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. I want you to get this in our final few moments together. Jesus has just healed people nonstop for three days in a row. Would you want to leave if they're healing people and you have an infirmity? No. No, I'll I'll skip the meal. He's moved with compassion. See, because of his friendship and intimacy with the Father, healing wasn't even the main point. See, you think that what you need is a healing in a particular area. Oh, he can do that. There's no problem with that. (laughs) But look at what he's interested in. He's interested in developing a friendship with them. The healing does not necessitate a friendship. You can be healed and then walk away. You can be healed and stay not in a relationship with the Lord. He's desiring something more. He healed them and then was moved with compassion. Now, now that you can see, now let me talk to you about being my friend. Now let me talk to you about intimacy. Maybe the healing that you need is just the start. Maybe it's not the goal. Maybe it's not the whole point. Maybe it's just the starting line for you. Jesus is wanting to have friends to the end from this group that he's looking at. He had lived in intimacy with them for days now. They saw into his life, his heart, his healing, his name, his character. They were looking at it all, he was revealing it to them. More than broken bodies, they had no shepherd, they had no real friends. Jesus set His compass of compassion to that end that He would draw them towards friendship. Listen to what the disciples said. His disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Out of all these people, out of all this healing, how many loaves do you have? Seven. And a few small fish. See, when Jesus fed the 5,000, there were five loaves and two fish, right? And he fed 5,000. This is the feeding of the 4,000 that we're about to engage in here. After a healing revival. After he's letting you know, by the way, seven. I'm sure that's just a random number that was picked here. By the way, they end up picking up seven baskets of food left over from these people. But what is the God of all creation after? He's trying to develop friendship with them. He's showing them the perfect provision of relationship, of friendship, of the bread of His presence. He's showing them something different, and He's trying to make it manifest in their life. The sustenance that they need. It's more than bread for their stomach. It's the bread of His presence that He's trying to reveal to them. The bread of intimacy is what's needed. Jesus heals them so He can start a friendship. Has he healed you? Yes. Yes, because he wants to start a friendship. Jesus feeds them so that true intimacy can be developed. Jesus set his compassion, his compass of compassion on this group because they were too harassed and they were too helpless to do it for themselves. They were like sheep without a friend or sheep without a shepherd. Friends, we've now come to our end. His desire for this group in this room is the same of what we just read at the feeding of the 4,000. Whatever you need to have happen in your life, I can promise you that that's not the end goal. The healing that you need, the encouragement that you need, what you need is to have friendship with Him, and that's what He's trying to draw you to. An intimacy that allows you to want Him to see into you. That begins to develop with the brotherhood around you that other people can see into you. Why? Because you have a friendship with God and it allows the intimacy with Him. To have your compass of your compassion set not out of obligation, but out of true love with your relationship with Him. Come on, how many times have you and I been moved but not from a place of intimacy? Not from a place of friendship? Fear. Insecurity, obligation, responsibility, pressure, anger, whatever it is that moves you. He wants you to be moved because you love Him. He has shown you, He wants that friendship with you. What should be moving us is our friendship with the Father, intimacy with Jesus, having our ears attuned, having our hearts aligned having our paths accentuated by the very compass of His compassion. Stand to your feet with me now. At this altar tonight, this altar is a place for us to have eyes that can see, maybe for the first time. He's healed us. He's helped us. He's kept us from being harassed. So that we can have a friendship with Him. Driven by constant intimacy. Led by His compass. Mighty God, we pray to You right now. That You would move upon us. Not out of obligation. That's not what friends do. Friends are moved down deep inside because of a desire for intimacy. Friends are moved because they want to have you as close to them as possible. Lord, may our hearts be moved tonight that we would have a relationship with you that is at the center of all that we do. Help us tonight, mighty God.